All right, with that, let's go ahead and get into the Word. John chapter 13 is where we're at today. If you have a Bible, go ahead and turn there because we're going to spend the entire time pretty much in this same passage. So we're going to look at John chapter 13, verses 1 through 20. It's a longer passage, and, and, and we have to take this one as a, as a longer chunk because it's a story, and, and the story needs to come to a natural conclusion. So we're going to read uh, all 20 verses uh, from John 13, verses 1 through 20. Follow along as I read, please. Before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Now when it was time for supper, the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas, Simon Iscariot's son, to betray him. Jesus knew what the Father Jesus knew that the Father had given everything into his hands, that he had come from God, that he was going back to God. So he got up from supper, laid aside his outer clothing, took a towel, and tied it around himself. Next he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and to dry them with the towel tied around him. He came to Simon Peter, who asked, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I am doing you don't realize now, but afterward you will understand. You will never wash my feet, Peter said. Jesus replied, if I don't wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. One who has bathed, Jesus told him, doesn't need to wash anything except his feet, but he is completely clean. You are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. This is why he said, not all of you are clean. When Jesus had washed their feet and put on his outer clothing, he reclined again and said to them, Do you know what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are speaking rightly, since that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should also do just as I have done for you. Truly I tell you, a servant is not greater than his master, and a messenger is not greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. I'm not speaking about all of you. I know those I have chosen, but the scripture must be fulfilled. The one who eats my bread has raised his heel against me. I am telling you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am he. Truly, I tell you, whoever receives anyone I send receives me, and the one who receives me receives him who sent me. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for preserving these words of this special and intimate moment that you shared with your disciples before going to the cross. God, there's so much for us to learn here and so much for us to reflect on, so I pray that your Holy Spirit would help us Give us, give us minds that are open and, and ears that can hear and eyes that can see today so that we might receive your word and become more like you. Help us to be in awe of your example and of your humility and of all that you did to save us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So you're probably familiar with what's going on here, but just in case you're not, let me give you a a little bit of just real quick background. So Jesus is preparing to go to the cross. In the Gospel of John, we've now zoomed in 
on the last couple of days of his life before he goes to the cross. And we have more detail about those couple of days and what happened in them than, than much of the rest of Jesus' life and earthly ministry. And that's because these events are significant. That's, that's because these events are, have implications that, that you and I need to stop and reflect on. And so I, what I want to do today is I, I just want to reflect on six things. Six things about Jesus washing the disciples' feet. So if you have the handout, go ahead and get that out. We'll start filling in some blanks. Um, so Jesus has gathered his disciples together. They're, they're preparing to celebrate the Passover. And Jesus has chosen this time. He and the Father have chosen this time is the time which he's going to be betrayed, arrested, and crucified. Of course, that has extreme historical significance because the Passover uh, was celebrated by sacrificing an innocent lamb for the sake of saving those who sacrificed it. And so Jesus is now going to become the sacrificial Passover lamb that is powerful enough to save all sinners everywhere of their sins. Six things about Jesus washing the disciples' feet. First one, it shows his humility. This is probably the most obvious one. Jesus gets up from the table. By the way, in case anybody's nervous, we're not going to wash each other's feet today. I know some of you come from backgrounds where you've practiced that. Uh, you've done foot washing ser services and things. Um, I've participated in those. It's It's humbling. And uncomfortable. And so it was when Jesus did it. He gets up. He, he removes his outer garments. He wraps a towel around himself. And he just begins washing their feet. Let's look at what it says in, in verse 3. Jesus knew that the Father had given everything into his hands. That he'd come from God. And that he was going back to God. He's ready. He's at peace with these things. So he, he got up from supper, verse 4, laid aside his outer clothing, took a towel, tied it around himself. Next, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and to dry them with the towel tied around him. Maybe you want to try this at lunch today. Gather together with some family and see how everybody responds. First, if you start taking clothes off. <laughs> And then you start taking their shoes or their socks off and begin washing their feet. Now, what is Jesus doing here? We don't, we don't wash our feet in this way, but they did. And you can, you can imagine in a, in, a, in a culture like theirs, and if, if, you're, if you're picturing a dry and dusty land, you're picturing the right thing, and this, there's not pavement or cement uh, there would have been some cobblestone roads, things like that. But for the most part, um, you're, you're just left to deal with the dirt that's on the ground. A lot of them would walk around in sandals. Maybe some of them would walk around barefoot. Your feet would get absolutely filthy. And it's not just dirt that your feet are collecting. There's animals around and about, and animals aren't always picky about where they go to the bathroom, and so that would become a part of the road and a part of the places that they walked. And so your, your, your feet were, were infamously dirty when you would go from place to place or from house to house. And so oftentimes, uh, there would be a servant on hand 
who would come and wash your feet for you. Now this is considered to be one of one of the lowest tasks that a servant often would have to do. There's some traditions that suggest that amongst the Jewish people, they wouldn't even allow Jewish servants to do this. That, they would, that this was a task that was reserved for Gentiles, for non-Jewish people, because it was considered to be such a lowly task. And here we are. The creator of the universe has just humbled himself. He has brought himself, not only has Jesus come from eternal glory down to live as a man, but as a man, he he does not demand service, he does not demand privilege, he does not demand the best of what the world has to offer. He takes on a role that makes him the lowest of the low. He completely humbles himself and he begins to serve his disciples. This is why he came. And so he poured water into a basin and he began to wash the filth off of their feet. And then having washed the filth off their feet, he took the towel that was now keeping him covered And he would dry their feet one at a time. The most obvious and and, and perhaps, I don't want to say the most significant, but, but one of the most impactful things about this story is Jesus's unmatched humility in being willing to serve his followers. Doesn't end there though. It's not just about humility. It's also about devotion. The next thing you'll see on the handout is this. It shows his extreme devotion to his followers. Not just humility, but extreme devotion. In verse one, the second half of verse one, he says, It says about him, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Now Jesus is is about to go to the cross and die for them. But instead of becoming resentful that he has to to suffer in their place, his his devotion is now on display. He He is committed to them in the most extreme ways. And so it is today for those who follow him. Put yourself in their place. Put yourself in their seats and imagine Jesus, your Savior, humbling himself, washing your feet. He would have done the same thing for you. It's not just that these men are special. It's not just that, oh, he knows what they're going to become and what they're going to do for his kingdom. It's, it's not that. It's, it's that, that Jesus is this devoted to all of his followers. He's equally devoted to you. There is, there is 
there, there's no limits to how devoted he is to you and to I. He loves us with the same love. Having loved his own who are in the world, he loved them to the end. I love that. That's what we're going to see in the next few chapters. Jesus loving to the very end. His unrelenting love. His love that, that seemingly has no limits. There's, there's no point at which Jesus begins to suffer or begins to pay a price. And he says, no, 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 that's too much. That's too far. He loves us and he loves them to the end. That type of devotion from the Savior to us demands a response from us. It demands a response of love, but it demands a response of devotion as well. Do you have this type of devotion toward Jesus? Would you humble yourself? Would you serve him in ways that could be humiliating? This is a humiliating act. This is not something that, that you know, we might pretty this up and, and try to make it seem so beautiful. Jesus is getting dirty. He's, 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 there's nothing pretty about this. He's coming face to face with the filthiest part of his followers. And his humility and his devotion are on display. This is how he loves them. This is how he loves you and I. This is the type of savior he is. He comes and he, he, he displays his humility. He displays his devotion by becoming the lowest of servants in their presence. So what should our response be to that? The third thing on the handout, I know we're moving quickly, we'll slow down at some point here, but I wanted to get these first couple out. The third thing on the handout is this, his kindness must be received. The story takes a a bit of a, I don't know, well, to me it's an unexpected turn, but maybe not to everybody. His kindness must be received, we see in verse 6, sorry, I don't want to move on too quickly, The, the blanks are kindness and received. When we look at verse 6, it says, He came to Simon Peter who asked him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? In other words, Lord, you're not going to wash my feet. That's, he, he has Jesus on a, on a level that, that is not going, he's not going to allow Jesus to humble himself in such a dramatic fashion and wash his feet. He's uncomfortable with this. He's embarrassed by it. Why would Jesus clean his filthy feet? I know you ladies like to go get, go get the, the pedicures, the manicures and the pedicures. I don't know how you do it. I mean, I mean, your feet probably look better than mine. But it's like I, I do everything I can to make sure that nobody ever sees my feet. And you're like, hey, look. It's... It's humbling. It's humbling. Not just for Jesus, but for Peter. Peter's uncomfortable with this. He doesn't want this. Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus said to him, what I'm doing you don't realize now, but afterward you will understand. That's important. We'll try to come back to that. Peter says, you will never wash my feet. 
Jesus replied, if I don't wash you, you have no part with me. This escalated so quickly. Peter has been following Jesus for for like two to three years now. He is one of his most committed followers. There have been times in Jesus' ministry where where people were were, were just, just abandoning Jesus and turning away from him. And Peter was always one of the followers who said, we're not going anywhere. He has has given his life to this. He is in. He's all in. He's willing to die. He's going to tell Jesus in the near future here. He's willing to die for this cause. Being connected to Jesus is everything for Peter. Jesus says, if I don't wash you, you have no part with me. Everything Peter, everything we've done together over the last couple of years, everything that, that you, you think you see in our future, everything that, that your life is about, if you don't let me do this simple act of washing your feet, then all of that is completely eradicated. You see how quickly that escalated? We go from Peter's like, I, no, that's okay. We'll just leave my feet dirty. I don't really want you to do that. Maybe there is another servant here. Maybe there's somebody that, that I would feel comfortable with, but not you, Lord. Jesus says, well, then you have no part with me. And Peter's response is, in verse 9, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. If, if that's what this means, if it means that, that I have no part with you, if you don't wash me, then don't just wash my feet, but wash everything. We think a little bit differently about bathing than, than they did. And, and so it seems maybe a little bit strange to some of us that Peter's only concerned with his feet, his hands, and his head. But that would have been fairly typical. To bathe the entire body would have been a fairly rare occurrence. Some of us still today, it's a fairly rare occurrence. <laughs> Not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. So, so Peter does a 180 here. He's, he, he does not want what Jesus just threatened. If, if, th- if it means this much, if to have you wash my feet is the deciding factor of whether or not we, we have this unity together that not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. So this, what's, I think what's being demonstrated here is that Jesus is, he came to serve. He came to serve not only his disciples, but he came to serve all of his creation. He came to serve us here 2,000 years later. He came to serve us by, in a sense, washing but not everybody is washed by Jesus. To be washed by Jesus is something that must be received. His kindness, his act of mercy, his act of, of, of servitude must be received. Otherwise, we have no part with him. It's not something that's automatically applied. But it's something that, that we have to participate in. And by participate, I... I I simply mean accept, receive. 
allow him to do it. That's what, that's what Peter comes into. So to just apply this, let me just bring this up to, to us today. How do, how do we receive? Jesus doesn't come to us and offer to wash our feet, right? Nonetheless, his, his act of humility, which I don't want to get ahead of myself because we're going to get to the cross. All of this is leading to the cross, okay? But, his, but I can't talk about how we apply this today without sort of jumping ahead to the cross a little bit. So his, act, his ultimate act of humility and his ultimate act of servitude, which is going to the cross, he does that for us. He's, he's, he's paving the way at this dinner with the foot washing, but what he's really going to do is he's going to wash our sins away. Not just the dirt that covers our bodies, but the sin that separates us from God. If, you, if he does not wash you, you have no part with him. Therefore, you must receive his act of kindness, his act of mercy. We'll, we'll get into that a little bit when we, when we do get to the cross. Okay, so three things we've covered so far about Jesus washing the disciples' feet. His, his, it shows his humility. It shows his extreme devotion to his followers. It, it must be received. The next one is this. It is a metaphor of our need for his ongoing forgiveness. A metaphor of our need for his ongoing forgiveness. This really is a beautiful story, isn't it? For, especially for, for Christians. And I'm not assuming that everybody here is a Christian or a Christ follower. But for those of us who are, this is such a beautiful story because we see the metaphor. We see that this isn't just about external cleansing. We see that it's not just about you know, physical feet and physical hands and a physical head. That there's a representation here of something on a spiritual level that is happening with us. So the metaphor is this. Let's look at verse 10. One who has bathed, Jesus told him, doesn't need to wash anything except his feet, but he is completely clean. You are clean, but not all of you, for he knew who would betray him. This is why he said, not all of you are clean. So if you're clean, again, clean is so relative. I... I I don't want to get into too much personal stuff here, but I usually shower like twice a day. <laughs> I shower in the morning and shower at night. To me, uh, it doesn't take long for me to feel dirty. I, I just feel a need to, to clean. For them, that, that concept would have just com been completely unthinkable. That you, would, that you would wash your entire body from head to toe on a daily basis was just something that was not even a part of of their world or a part of their mindset. And so for, for them, they're, they're kind of going to hit the sweet spots. They're going to hit their feet. They're going to hit their hands because they eat with those, and they're going to clean their heads. And the rest of you is generally covered by clothing. And so, yes, you sweat, and yes, there's all of that stuff going on. But that, that, this, is, this is long before they would even have worried about that type of thing, okay? And so the, the metaphor here of... You don't need to clean your hands and your head, but just your feet. 
is the idea that we are clean. Jesus has washed us and he has made us clean. Thinking of uh, the, the upcoming trip this week to Africa, I've been to Guatemala a few times and uh, there was an orphanage that for years uh, we partnered with and have some good friends down there running that. And you go down there and there's like 15, 20 kids living in this orphanage. And then you've got mom, mom and dad of the orphanage, so to speak, and one or two nannies. And every night, these couple of adults have to bathe 15 to 20 kids. And it's a big process. And so they start early in the evening. And you see kids sometimes around like 6 p.m. come outside in their pajamas because they got their baths first. And then you've got kids that are still in their play clothes, and they go in, and they get bathed. Well, the kids that, that, that got their baths that come out in their pajamas, guess what they start doing? They start playing. They still got a couple hours left of the day. And so they'd run around, and they would play, and usually they'd play soccer or whatever kind of games we're getting into. And guess what would get dirty? Their feet. Their feet would get dirty. Technically, they're clean. Technically, they've, they've had their bath and, and everything is good to go except for their feet. Jesus is, 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 is drawing on that sort of imagery to, he, to help us understand how forgiveness works on an ongoing basis for his followers, for believers in Christ. The one who has bathed is the Christian. He's been clean. He's got his PJs on, but he's out playing soccer. And he's going to get his feet dirty. And so, to be clean, he just needs his feet washed. Doesn't need to wash anything except his feet, but he is completely clean. You and I have been cleansed. Spiritually, we've been cleansed by the Savior. But as we go about living in this world, we continuously get our feet dirty. We continuously need to come back to him, receive his forgiveness, repent of sin, and be washed. It doesn't mean you need to be saved again. That's once and for all. That's, that's the, the one who has bathed does not need to wash anything except for his feet. But we, this, we need ongoing forgiveness. And I don't know if we talk about that enough in our culture. Repentance. Repentance of sin. Is that a regular part of, of your relationship with Jesus where you're humbling yourself before him, you're pausing and, and you're allowing your, your thoughts and your mind to go towards the ways in which you have sinned against him? That sounds dark. Maybe that sounds unhealthy. I assure you it's completely healthy. Because... We have a Savior who is willing to forgive every sin that we have committed. Not just willing, but eager to. We have a Savior who delights in hearing his followers come to him seeking his forgiveness that he bought at such a high price for us. And so there's an invitation here. There's an invitation to those of us who are believers to come to him and have our feet washed. To have the humble Savior, the devoted Savior, cleanse us again. 
and cleanse us from the sins that have, that have dirtied up our feet. Cleanse us from the things that have taken us away from him. To cleanse us from the things that bring shame and guilt. To allow him to take all of that away and make us completely clean. You see the metaphor? You see the beauty of the metaphor here? Peter doesn't need, he doesn't need his head and his hands cleaned. He's already clean. He's in the Savior. What he needs is just for his feet to be washed. And so it is with you and I. Let's get to the next thing, the fifth thing about Jesus washing the disciples' feet. It's an example, is an example to be followed. Jesus makes this very explicit that the example he's setting is one that he intends for us to follow. He says in verse 12, when it says in verse 12, when Jesus had washed their feet and put on his outer clothing, he reclined again and said to them, do you know what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord and you're speaking rightly since that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Literally or metaphorically? I don't think there's anything wrong with taking this literally. It is humbling and it is humiliating at the same time. But I think the point here is metaphorical. Just as he has served us, we are to serve each other. Part of that is forgiving one another. If, if, if the washing of the feet is, is a metaphor of forgiveness, then Jesus is very clearly saying here, you need to forgive one another. I've given you an example that you also should do just as I have done for you. If you are a Christ follower, there should be no act of servanthood that is below you. There should, be, there, should, there, should, there should be no limits to how you would humble yourself in service to your brothers and sisters in Christ. And by extension to, to the church, that is the collective group of the brothers and sisters of Christ. I may be the pastor here, but that doesn't, that doesn't mean that there are certain things that I'm just above. Now, I don't do everything because that's impractical. There are, there, there, there are things that I don't ever touch, that I don't ever do, because we're a body and we all chip in to do, do those things together. But there by no means should be anything that I am unwilling to do because it's beneath me or below me. I'm the pastor here, like anybody cares. <laughs> and so it should be of all of us. Is there things that you wouldn't do for the body of Christ? Are there things that you say, ah, that's below me? I'm not talking about, you know, there's, we, should, we should generally try to do things, that, that, the things that God has gifted us at and all that. I'm not talking about all of that. But, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, I should have thought of some better examples. But, you know, if you're walking through the parking lot to your car and there's a piece of trash on the ground, would you bend down and pick it up? Or would you say... Somebody else will get that. 
You know, if there's something that you see that needs done, do you, do you, is your first thought, well, somebody else needs to do that. That's not my job. I don't do those kinds of things. You know, that's what I'm, talk, that's what I'm talking about. We should all be willing to humble ourselves, to take on, it should be our, our goal to outdo each other in, in, in serving one another and in serving the body of Christ. This is an example to be followed He goes on to say in verse 16, Truly I tell you, a servant is not greater than his master. A messenger is not greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. Okay, Jesus is the master. He has humbled himself. In one of the the lowest examples of humility that he could have done at that time, what else could Jesus have done at that dinner that would have been lower. He chose the lowest task. He went beyond, you know, sometimes we like to serve each other at dinner and we start collecting each other's plates. Let me get that for you now. Let me throw that away for you and stuff like that. Okay, but have you ever seen somebody say, let me, let me get down and clean your feet. Let me humble myself to the lowest place possible. That's what Jesus does. He chose the lowest task that he could have chosen in that situation. And he says, let this be an example to you. Okay, so he's the master. He says, truly I tell you, a servant is not greater than his master. You are not greater than Jesus. I don't know if anybody told you yet that this week. You are not greater than Jesus. I am not greater than Jesus. It's 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 kind of puts fear in my heart to even put those words in the same sentence together as if I would even consider comparing myself to Jesus. It's so obvious. We are not greater than him. And a messenger is not greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. If Jesus humbled himself in such a humiliating way, you and I, you and I have to Otherwise, we're declaring by our actions that we think we're greater than the master. And that's not a place we want to go to. Number six, it is a foreshadowing of his humiliation to come. A foreshadowing of of his humiliation to come. He chose the lowest task at that time available. He chose to to take on the form of a servant to do the the dirtiest, most uh, undesirable thing available in that moment. But within just a few hours, he's going to have an opportunity to humble himself to a far lower depth of humiliation than washing dirty men's feet. The humiliation and the humbling that is going to take place in the next few hours far out exceeds anything he did at the Last Supper or anything else that we could think of. There is no greater humiliation than the God and creator of the universe to humble himself to the point of being mocked, of being falsely accused and convicted 
of being stripped of all of all of his personal belongings and his clothing and all of his rights and to be to be beaten nearly to death and to be crucified and and murdered in one of the most crudest fashions possible what in the world is the creator of the universe doing on the cross He made this world. He made those people. He made the tree that they made the cross out of. The metals that they fashioned into nails came into existence at his command. And yet he humbled himself. Why? For you. To save you. He died on the cross. So that you could be reconciled back to God. It's your sin. That drove him to that place. And it's his love. And it's his mercy. That made him. Love us. To the end. What he does in washing the disciples' feet. Peter doesn't want Jesus to wash his feet. And Jesus immediately recognizes, dude, if you won't let me wash your feet, you'll never receive what I'm about to do for you in a few hours. And it's our pride that keeps us from receiving his gift of humiliation. It's our pride that keeps us from receiving his act of sacrifice. And so he humbles himself. He humbles himself not to the place, not just to the place of a servant washing their feet. He humbles himself to the place of being a savior who suffers and dies in our place. The death that you and I deserve. You know what didn't happen when Jesus washed the disciples' feet? They didn't wash his. Nobody washes Jesus' feet. Nor could they. They couldn't wash. It would ruin, it would ruin the metaphor. It would ruin the, what he's showing them. He remains dirty so that they can be clean. Jesus is, is taking our sin, the dirt and the filth of our sin, upon his sinless self and taking it to the cross where he will receive God's just wrath for our sin upon himself. And in the process, he is making us clean. He becomes dirty. The Bible says that he who knew no sin became sin for our sake. And that's how he dies. 
the good news of the gospel and of this story is that he does not stay dead. He does not stay dirty. Having paid the price for sin, it is completely paid. He no longer needs to bear our sin any longer. He has fully and completely paid the penalty for our sin. And because of that, the sin, the sin and the price that he paid stays dead. And he comes back to life on the third day. And he, get, he has, he, he has because of his resurrection and through his resurrection, the ability to make clean those who are dirty and to give them eternal life. Jesus deals in his act of sacrifice with our two greatest enemies, sin and death. He defeats them both. It's not just an example to be followed, though that it is, it's a foreshadowing of his humiliation to come. And that humiliation gives life to all who receive his act of kindness. So let me ask you two things. One is the most important one. Well, it's, yes, it's the most important one. Uh, have you received Jesus's act of humiliation? Have you received what he did on the cross? Have you received the payment for sin that he made on your behalf so that you can be clean and that you can be forgiven and that you can be washed and so that you can have eternal life. Have you received that? If you haven't, there's nothing more important and there's nothing more urgent than to do that right now. Have, having done that, if you are a believer, I want to remind you I want to remind you of the need to, to and on an ongoing basis, not just that once and for all, but on an ongoing basis, humble yourself before your Savior and ask for forgiveness of your sins and receive his forgiveness. It's good for your soul. It's an important part of our relationship with Christ. And also, how are you going to follow Jesus' example in being a servant to others? Are there specific things that God's calling you to do this week? Or if there's not specific things that come to mind, would you just be willing to say to Jesus today, Jesus, I want to be a servant 